You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Steve McCoy from 360 Church in Sarasota, Florida. We hope this message inspires you to press beyond ordinary. We continue in our conversation this morning. We started a couple of weeks ago. The topic is pursuit. And the reason is that all of us are pursuing something in our lives, something that uh, maybe from teeny things to, to, to larger things, maybe they're life things that you're pursuing. And certainly in our spiritual life, we are in pursuit and being pursued. We spent the first couple of weeks looking at us being the ones who are being pursued. And so we, we, we began by looking at God's relentless pursuit of us, that he is pursuing you every minute, every moment of your, of your life. We took a more somber term last week and said, you know, you are also being pursued by an enemy. An enemy who wants to devour, devour us, that we're told in the scripture, not because there's a personal angst against you, but if you are a Christ follower, God has a purpose for you, and the, and the purpose always is to, to advance the kingdom of God. And our enemies cannot stand that, and, and the attacks that we get are really to, it's for bigger purposes of, of uh, thwarting that and strategically uh, going against the kingdom of God. Today, we begin to say, okay, we also are in pursuit. We are in pursuit of God. And when you look at that, I want to frame that this morning, that uh, if I were to say to you, hey, show of hands, how many, how many think we should pursue God? Probably every hand in the room would go up. We try to make some effort of getting beyond what the obvious thought is. And today, I believe that the Word of God sometimes encourages us, sometimes comforts us, sometimes challenges us. Many different purposes and angles from the, from the Bible, I think, that God uses in our life. Sometimes it's a reminder that God reminds us about this pursuit, and the pursuit can sometimes get uh, in a different lane. I don't know about you, but my life seems to, you know, from here to eternity, it's never straightly in the lines. I'm, I'm always kind of, you know, sometimes over here in this lane, and God says, hey, don't, don't forget, come over back in here, and, and so it, it goes that way. I don't know if, you, if you're the same. I'm hoping you're the same, but nobody, you know, straight and, you know, keeps it all together uh, all the time, right? 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 right. Okay. I just want to make sure. I want to do a self-check there. It's something, before we get into, we're going to be in John chapter 6 today, if you, if you want to get a head start and turn there. But before we do that, I want to frame something that's pretty profound. You know, when, when you lose something and you're looking for it, it's, it's, it is your um, energy, your, uh, your effort, your intentionality to say, man, I've got to find my keys. So when you finally find them, you're like, ah, oh, I found them, Right? With the search of when we're searching and pursuing God, we're actually only pursuing because God has worked in us to pursue Him. He gives us a choice, but He's always calling us. He's like, I want you to pursue me. Let me let me explain with a few verses here, just kind of a, a little bit of an overture. John chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus said, No man can come to me unless the Father sent me, who, who sent me, draws him. Many of you know my story. I, in my early 20s, studying to be you know, a musician and, 
And uh, I began to, I saw Billy Graham on the, on the TV, and I just said, man, I think that's what I want. And it, it took me three years to start reading the Bible a little bit, and blah, 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 and blah. And I, you know, all the time I thought, you know, I'm pursuing God. I was pursuing God, but all that, now I find out that actually God was, had put something in me to want to pursue God. You know, Solomon said he, that God has put a drop of eternity in us, this, in, this eternal instinct that we say, well, there's something more. So you thought you came to church today, but God is drawing you to come to church and to seek him. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3, God says, I have drawn you with loving kindness. A.W. Tozer, don't know if you guys have ever read Tozer. You'll, if you read Tozer, you read a paragraph and they go ruminate on it for about a year. A very deep book called The Pursuit of God. He said, God has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. So there's this mix of God putting this pursuit in us, and he also gives us, I'll remind us, that dangerous thing called choice. There's some that, that may believe, and some of you may believe, and that's okay. Sometimes in the nuances of our faith, we see things differently. Some people think that when Jesus said, no man comes to the Father, that there's a select group of people, and if you're not in that select group of people, you know, then you, you, don't, get to, you don't get in. And so I believe that 2 Peter 3.9 says that God doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. That's his heart, 1 Timothy 2.4. He desires that all men be saved, Acts 17.30. He commands all men to everywhere. So God's beckoning is to the world. God so loved the world, not just a select group of people. He loved the world that he gave his, Christ, uh, his son to, to die for us. And John the Baptist said, Behold, the, the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, God's invitation and his draw is to everyone come, everyone come. I'm drawing you towards myself so that we all have this, this shot at it. And so that then we have, to, we have to make that choice, but we recognize that God is in the mix. Make sense? Now we begin now in John chapter 6. It's a pivotal chapter in the, in the life of Christ because we find that now by this time there were thousands that were following Jesus. Thousands. How do we know that? Because in John chapter 6, he feeds the thousands. Uh, there's an account here that he's fed 5,000 men. That's how they counted back then. So we can almost make this assumption that there probably were 5,000 women. And sometimes, you know, man and woman, sometimes there's a baby. Do I have to go over this with you? There's a, there, you know, so there are probably children in the mix. So, so scholars think when there was the feeding of the 5,000 men, there are probably 12,000, 15,000. All these people where he was getting quite the pursuit. But in this pursuit, Jesus has a few words for us to remind us today. Watch your pursuit. Watch how you're pursuing me and what you're, you are pursuing. I am reminded before we jump in here of probably one of the most classic pursuit stories in American film uh, industry. And that, is, that pursuit happened on a little road you might recognize, a yellow brick road. Remember the, the story of the Wizard of Oz, and there was this pursuit. And what I'm reminded of that story today is that there were obstacles along the way. 
No pursuit was a straight road. The yellow brick road wasn't a straight road. It didn't have its own set of, uh, it wasn't without its own set of issues and obstacles. Sometimes, you know, it was trees throwing apples and, you know, flying monkeys and, uh, you know, uh, witches and all the, you know, the things that were in that little, that story. Sometimes it was themselves. They got so freaked out, you know, Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and the Lion. Sometimes, you know, the Cowardly Lion and, you know, the Heartless Tin Man. Sometimes they were their own obstacles. And this is the way it is for us when it comes to God and our pursuit of God. There's sometimes that other things try to get in the way and there's sometimes we get in the way. We begin in John chapter 6, the very first verse. Sometime after this, Jesus had been doing miracles, as we'll see. Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people, let's not skim over that, a great crowd of people. By the time we get to the end of John chapter 6, this great crowd of people, many of them left Jesus because he started going a little bit deeper. So, but at this point, a great crowd of people pursued him. They were in pursuit of him. Why? Because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. This is the reason they were following him. Would we have been any different? And is there anything wrong with it? No. I think if we were there and Jesus all of a sudden started healing people, people that you know they had known all their lives, people that were lepers, people that had diseases, and all of a sudden Jesus reaches, you know, blind men are seeing and deaf men are hearing and lame men are walking, and, and, and so all of these things were happening. I'd follow that. It's not necessarily I'm following him. I'm following what he can do. You see, when we're pursuing things, most of the things, you just take your own inventory, most of the things we pursue, we're pursuing them because we get something out of it. In other words, back on the yellow brick road, the only reason they didn't want to know Oz, you know, the, 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 they didn't want to know uh, his life, his history. They wanted to get something from him. Dorothy wanted to go home. That's why they were going all this through, you know, through all the obstacles on the yellow brick road. And the same thing can be true for us. So when we begin here, we have to then start taking inventory and just remind ourselves that it is possible to drift into a lane that I'm going to God for what he can do, watch this, even spiritually. I'm going to God so that I will have peace. I'm going to God so that I will have healing. I'm going to God. There's nothing wrong with that. God gives peace. God gives joy. God gives healing. But Jesus in this intersection is going to say, but there's something deeper and there's something greater than just going even for spiritual blessings. I just had a conversation with someone. They're just pursuing and, and, and sometimes we can pursue because of our intellectual hunger. I want to know more about something deeply theological. Nothing wrong with that. But that is not the end of our destination, our, our search. Jesus said it a little bit further down in John chapter 6 and verse 14. Jesus had fed the, the thousands now, and after the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet 
who has come into the world. We'll come back to that. Just want to remind you that Jesus Christ, if you know Old Testament language, was prophet, he was priest, and he was king. He was all of those, but they were referring to a specific verse. We'll come back. So surely this is the guy. It's almost like you can, you can hear from the way he said it, we've been waiting. Maybe this is the guy we've been waiting for. Maybe this is the prophet. Then something good, that was nothing wrong with that because they had been told in the Old Testament, like, hey, you know, this, there's a prophet coming that's it's gonna, we'll see. And, but then they twisted it. Watch what they did. So Jesus, knowing that they were going to take that search, that pursuit, and they intended and to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Confession. We are created in the image of God, but there are some times when I pursue God so I can create God in my image. I want to force God. I become formulaic. I'm going to pray more, therefore God has to do what I've asked him to do. Nope, God is always God. I know that sounds stupid, but you've had the same thought too, right? I'm stupid, you're stupid, we're all stupid. Let's just go ahead and confess it. If I do this enough, if I think this enough, if I believe this enough, if I do all this right, then God is going to move and I'm forcing God in my pursuit to do what I want him to do. And God is always God, and we are never God. And so Jesus understood this. You see, Dorothy was looking for Oz because he was the great and powerful Oz. Not that she really wanted to know who he was, see? So Jesus says, i got to get out of here. So went on the other side of the lake, got away from the people in verse 25 in chapter 6 of John. The people found him. They pursued him on the other side of the lake. And they said, hey, where you, how'd you get here? Jesus answered them, I tell you the truth. You're not looking for me. You started out because of the miraculous signs. You're looking for me now, not because of even the miraculous signs, but because you had a free buffet. Because, because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. In other words, now I'm just past the spiritual, you know, the blessings of God to spend. Now I really want something physical from him. Now listen, there are plenty of times where I'm like, God, will you please take care of this headache? I just, I, I'm, I, man, it's overwhelming. Nothing wrong with that. Our oldest son took SATs for the second time. My wife actually wrote out things she wanted to, to pray for. She wanted, she's waiting to, to bring it back to him and say, look what God did if God cho- chose to answer these prayers. But we're praying for clarity. We're praying, you know, he didn't fall asleep during the SAT. He, we're praying, you know, his glasses don't fog up. And I mean, you know, we're with a mask on for, you know, four or five hours. It's crazy. I mean, we're praying for these physical things. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that is the only thing we go and the only pursuit we have of God, then we might take inventory and do I only go to God to get stuff? So, you know, we have two teenage boys at home. One's a sophomore, one's a senior. And we love them dearly. Most days. I'm sorry, that's not. We love them dearly, right? We get our lives for them, but there there comes a point in time, you know. It's it's always super helpful for us when we we talk to parents who have kids like five or six years, you know, older than ours, and they assure us, hey, they won't hate you forever. Kind of you know talk, or it's going to be okay. You know, they're fighting right now, but they'll be best buds later. I'm like, oh good, because that's pretty rough right now. Uh, and so, but we have good kids. I mean, honestly, when I you know I, I joke about them, I, I everything's relative. 
You know, when, my, when, when one of them stays up, you know, an hour past, you know, bedtime curfew playing video games, I'm like, okay, so compared to me, when I was a senior in high school, there was a lot more than an hour curfew, and I was doing other things than video games, all right? So everything is relative, right? So they're good, good boys. But there was this time last week, and, and I, I, think there's, I think there's this measure. For those of you that have small kids, you're the hero. You know, you can't do anything wrong, etc. But you're, there is a sense of, uh, of being like, man. But as you get into those teenage years, right, mom and dad are not as smart as, as, as we were, you know, a few years ago. And there's this adolescent thing I think God puts in all of us to push back. You know, we're becoming independent. We're growing. We're getting flawed, ready to fly the nest. And there's a pushback. And there comes a point where we're not, you know, you're not right about anything. But they still need us. Last week, we had a, uh, you know, one of our sons just had a bad day, bad attitude, you know, kind of kicked the canoe over and everything. And he came back after, afterward, about 45 minutes, about an hour later, and said, hey, Dad, I'm really, really sorry about that. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was waiting for it. I, I, but I'm really sorry about that. I'm like, okay, you know, let's move on. Let's move forward. He goes, great. So can you fix those raviolis? I mean, is that, I'm like, okay, that's where we were heading. I mean, that's what you really want, right? You're hungry, you need some raviolis, right? But if you didn't say sorry first, you know, you're not. <laughs> and so there's this sense, there's this, we can become adolescent at times if we're not careful. And as we're going to see, there's something dangerous about going to God only to ask for something. Watch this. We go back. John chapter uh, 6 and verse 27, this is Jesus' answer. Hey, don't work for things that just run out. Don't ask for battery-operated stuff that the battery's going to run down. Don't, don't work just, don't ask me for food that spoils all the time, but for food that endures to eternal life. Watch, he begins to angle it, which the Son of Man will give you. We're getting closer to the whole point of our conversation today. You say, don't work for those things. But begin to think eternally, and the one which the Son of Man will give you on him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. Their immediate question back to them, John chapter 6, then they ask him, well, what must we do? What must we do? What, what thing must we be doing to do the works that God requires? Like the rich young ruler came to Jesus, okay, did this, did this, did this, did this, and Jesus said, it's a hard deal. He said, believe, the work of God is to believe, to trust, to depend in the one who is, who, that he sent. In other words, he's beginning to migrate them from the power that he has, the miraculous signs he has, to the good works that he did, to the things that they were, the food that he gave, and he's migrating them to himself. This is the key to the conversation. Watch this. So they said in verse 30, it's just that you can see they're not getting it. So they ask him, okay, then well, if you want us to believe in you, what miraculous sign will you give that we might see it and believe you? I mean, when we read this story, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Just fed 15,000 people with a you know, couple of uh, uh, you know, fish sticks. Was that good enough? 
You see, if we're pursuing God for what he can give to us, we have an insatiable appetite to get stuff, and it will never be satisfied. It will never be satisfied if we just want this and this and this and this and this. And God is, Jesus is saying, it's me that you want. What will you do? He said, our, they said, our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now watch, here it comes. In verse 32, Jesus said, okay, let's just get down to it. He said to them, I tell you the truth. You think it was Moses who gave you that bread? It wasn't Moses who gave him that bread from heaven, but it was my father who gives you the true bread. Everything in the Old Testament is a reflection, a shadow of what to come. He said, for the bread of heaven is he who comes down from heaven and gives, you life, gives life to the world. They said, sir, we want that. Give, from now on, give us this bread. And then Jesus said, all your pursuit, all the things you've seen, the miracles, the miracles you're still asking for, the food you got because you're coming after me because in food, John chapter 635, he says, he declared to them, he said, I'm it. I'm the bread of life because if you come to me, you'll never go hungry. If who believes in me will never go thirsty. Watch, here it is. Now, this is the part you don't want to miss. Watch. No good parent says yes to everything. No good parent says yes to everything. I'll make this bold statement. I'm disappointing to my teenagers. I'm disappointing to my teenagers because I love them. I've got a little more experience and wisdom, so I have to say no. See, they would love me if I said, sure, you got school tomorrow morning, you got to roll out of bed at 6 o'clock, stay up to 3 in the morning, play video games. Absolutely you can. Hey, Dad, it's midnight. Can I go out driving? Absolutely. Knock yourself out. See, they would, in their adolescent thinking, they would think I'm great because I said yes to everything. But the truth of the matter is that someone who's wise and loving knows when to say yes and no. We're, we're imperfect, right? God is perfect. He knows when to say yes, but he also knows when to say no. Watch this. If we're only going to God, and sometimes I find myself squarely in this lane, I'm like, man, the only time I'm going to God is when I'm asking him for stuff, right? Because he has to say no because he's a good parent, I'm going to ultimately be disappointed in God if I'm just going to him to ask him for stuff. How come you didn't heal that person? How come you didn't do that? How come, he got, how come my son got a lower grade? I ask you for that, God. And I'm just asking, asking, asking. And God said, you know, I, as a musician, I um, you know, auditioned at schools in Boston and Baltimore and, and, uh, and New York City. And there was a school I really, really wanted to go to in New York City. And, and my wife and I were just walking yesterday. She goes, maybe you had you gone to, because it's the top school in the whole country and not, a, if not the world. Had I gone to that, I might have become so proud and arrogant that I never could have found God. See, God, as a loving parent, said, I'm not going to allow you to go there. And I remember being so disappointed. You see, what Jesus is saying, if you come and you spend time with me and I am your pursuit, You'll never be disappointed. You'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty in your soul. You will be satisfied. What does this mean? It means it's okay to ask God for things. 
It's okay to, to say, God, I, I'm, I'm looking for your power, miraculous signs. It's okay to ask God, I want to be fed. No problem, okay? But the core of our pursuit must include spending time with God, period. I'm hoping God has a has a as fresh of a perspective, a reality as my perspective is of him. I sat down in my prayer chair this morning, it's in my office, and I said, hey God, how's it going? You ever wonder how it's going in God's world? How's it going? Hey, I'm just I'm just here. I just want to be with you this morning. And I just sat in silence. You know, I read a long time ago, you know when you're with a really, really good friend, is that when you can be in the car with each other and not feel obligated to say anything. You know how that is? If you don't know somebody real well, you got to keep the conversation going because it's kind of awkward just driving down the street not saying anything. But if you're with somebody that really close, you could drive from here in 200 miles and never say anything and feel comfortable. It's okay to sit with God to read his word, to ruminate, to hover over it, and just say, God, I'm just in your presence today. I didn't come to ask you for anything. I didn't come for any miraculous sign. I didn't come for any like deep, overwhelming sense of peace. I just came because you're the focus, regardless of what you can give to me. God needs to know. I, as a parent, need to know. Do you ever just want to be with me without getting something? Right? Because in those moments, and we have those moments, by the way, and they're glorious moments when our teenager comes in, like, hey, what are you doing? You know, come in the living room. What are you doing? Just hanging out. Hanging out with us? Yeah, hanging out with you. We're like, you know, me and Carrie looking at each other. (laughs) They like us. They still like us. (laughs) You know, Dorothy went down the whole deal and, you know, the whole, just scared, freaked out by Oz until Toto pulled the curtain back. And then they got to know him and they knew knew each other and they're kind of hanging out and they loved each other by the time it was, you know, and so I'm reminded and there's this crazy analogy that Jesus ripped the curtain in the temple. He said, come on in. I want to know you. And I want you to know me. And I just want to love each other without me giving anything to you. In the scripture, man, Jesus asked amazing questions. You know, he answered a question with a question, right? Amazing questions. My perspective, my personal opinion. Has not, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. My top question that Jesus asked was found after the resurrection. Mary is distraught. Jesus comes, she doesn't even recognize him, comes up behind her. And he asks the question, I believe, is at the core of the human pursuit. The core of human pursuit. We're pursuing a lot. We're pursuing jobs, positions, degrees, you know, pursuing love, pursuing relationships, you know, pursuing new lawnmowers. Pursue, I mean, there's a lot of pursuit going on in the human experience. But this is the question. Watch this. In John chapter 20, verse 15, Jesus comes up behind Mary, who's distraught. He says, Mary, why are you crying? And then this is the question. He goes, who is it you are looking for? You see, life te- te- teaches us to ask the question, hey, what are you looking for? What are you trying to achieve? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to be? 
why, or why don't you ask a why question? Why do good things happen to bad people? Why is evil in the world? Why, why, why? And we can pursue that until we find no answers than we had at the beginning. We can search for the why. We can search for the where. We can search for the how. We can search for the what. But Jesus says, who is it you're looking for? It is not a what from God. It is a who. And when he comes, he says, I am the bread of life. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, God wants us to pursue him just for who he is. I told you last week I got to see my mom for the first time in six months. Got to see her on Thursday. She's right down the street in a, in a health care facility. Been quarantined since pandemic, and so they... Uh, lifted that ban, we, we wore a mask, got to come in from an outside door to a room. Um, they wheeled mom in, she had a mask, we couldn't touch, we couldn't hug, but you know what? We were in the same room. And it's incredibly different, as we all know. We're zoomed out, right? We're, we have Zoom fatigue, as they now call it. It's probably going to be a thing. You know, we'll be going to counseling here a year from now, like, dude, I'm zoomed out. I can't take any more Zoom. And we'll probably be counseling through Zoom. I mean, who knows? <laughs> but just to sit in the room, and then at a 15-minute appointment, and then the lady came in who was in charge, and she was really, as she needed to be, you know, hey, you got to keep this thing on, on schedule. And she came in, and she said, the person behind you, the after you canceled, so you get a little extra time. And it was just like, wow, extra time with mom. You see, this is the heart of God. I mean, if we're feeling that as human beings, you feel the story. If we're feeling that as human beings, how do you think God feels? There he is asking me for something again. No, I just wanted you to come. And you look at your watch like, man, I got some extra time. I get to spend it with my spiritual daddy. I get to spend it with Abba, Father. I get to spend it with him. Jesus, in John 14, he knew his disciples were distraught because he said he was getting ready to die. And he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Where I'm going, I'm going to come and take you to be with me. He didn't say, man, heaven's going to be amazing. I'm to be with me. Eternity is, is to be with God. Eternity, you know, we talk about heaven and hell as we should. But hell, the worst part of, of hell, the hell of hell, is that there is no God. There's no presence of God. God is not there. And if whatever your worst nightmare of hell is, that's the nightmare of the nightmare, that God is not there. God calls us to be with him. That's eternity, that we get to be with him. Let me close with this story I heard years ago. This young guy was in his 20s. He had noticed this older man in his 80s, and he Notice that he had this rich, deep relationship with God. You could tell this older man had walked with God many years. So the younger guy came and said, hey, I want you to be my guru. I want you to teach me how to, to, to walk with God, to have the same passion you do, the same relentless pursuit of God. So the older guy said, sure, okay, I'll, I'll, let's start tomorrow morning. I'll meet you at uh, about 6.30 in the morning. I'll meet you down to that park, you know, the one with the big lake there, and I'll be sitting right on the bench, right across the street from the uh, lake. So sure enough, young guy shows up, 6.30 in the morning, the older guy's sitting there on the bench. Sits down next to the older guy, the guy, the guy says, hey, let's take off our shoes. Okay? That was weird. Let's take off our shoes. 
And the guy, the older guy says to the guy, okay, um, young guy, okay, let's take off our socks. And he's starting to wonder, you know, maybe, maybe this was a mistake. I'm not sure this guy is, you know, solid, right? Let's take off our, our socks. He goes, okay, let's walk across the street down to the water. Walks down to the water. He goes, okay, let's get in, uh, ankle deep. I'm like, now he's starting to worry about this guy. You know, is he all there? And so walks in ankle deep. A little chilly early in the morning. He goes, okay, let's go, let's go a little deeper. Let's go to our knees. So goes into the knees and, okay, it's getting stranger. You know, let's go into our waist deep. Uh, well, my pants are already wet. Let's go ahead and roll in. So gets about waist deep. And this, like, in his mind, was like, hey, this is as far as I'm going to go. I mean, this is getting crazy. But the older guy said, hey, let's go chest deep. And he's like really worried at this point. Goes into the water. Water's up here, chest deep. The guy, the, the younger guy's in front of the older guy. All of a sudden, unexpectedly, the older guy grabs the, the younger guy by the collar, puts his hand on the back of his head, and whoosh, puts him, ducks him in the water, holds him underwater. Now this guy is pretty convinced something's going wrong. <laughs> He's desperate. He's like, oh, oh and the, the guy could feel him under, you know, the older guy could feel him under the water. And finally, when he almost felt like this was his last gasp, his last moment, he just jerked the young guy up out of the water. He says, now, when you're that desperate for God, you'll find him. This is the desperation that God is looking for from us, not for what he can do, but to be with him. Our creator, our savior, our, the love of our life. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for the pursuit, the desire, the appetite that you put in every single one of us, God, to search for you. There are some that, that deny that search. They, they disregard that search. We know that, God. But you have put that drop of, that, uh, of eternity within us, that instinct of eternity, God. And as we search for you, Father, we are reminded today to take some inventory. But very simple, God. Do we really want to spend time just with you? That's the question. Do we really want to just be with you? Father, in our cluttered lives, would you forgive us for times where we just pop in and just to ask you for something? Are those, those chapters, those days, weeks, months, regions of space and time, God, where we just ask for stuff. And God, we know you've told us to bring you things, to bring you prayer requests. They're important. But Father, we're reminded today that Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. That will, will not be spiritually hungry, will not be spiritually thirsty, God, if we just sit at your feet just to be with you. Whether we say something or whether we don't say something, God, just to be with you. Thank you for reminding us today a question that should penetrate every heart, every mind. Who is it that you're looking for? Who is it that you're looking for? 
We are a pursuing people, God. You know that. We do full throttle, hardcore press pursuit of many, many, many things, God. Today, I pray that you'll remind us and even empower us, God, to search for you with great passion and to, and to just to be with you. Thank you, Father, that Jesus came to make this possible. He put himself on that cross, and in that moment, God, the whole world changed. The veil that kept you mysterious was, was ripped apart. The veil that only allowed a select group of people to go behind that veil was open to the world with your hands open that we might come in. Father, thank you for Jesus Christ, your son, your only son, your only begotten son, the love of your heart that you gave him for us that we might pursue you freely. Father, thank you for your kindness to us in the cross, your mercy, compassion. Perhaps there are those here today, Father, we unite as followers of Christ with passion. We, you, we, we unite our hearts, God, on behalf of those who are searching for you. That your Holy Spirit would continue to open up mind and reason and, and understanding to know, God, that there is not a human being on the planet that can find you in our own effort, that can be right in your eyes by our own effort, our own religion, our own ritual, our own good behavior. We only come through the cross. We come, God, open-handed, broken sinners to you, only to accept the beautiful, merciful gift of Jesus and his forgiveness. Perhaps that's you today as we pray, whether you're still at home and whether you're here in this room, perhaps you've come looking for God and this is God's invitation for you to pursue him. That invitation has been in place the, the, before you took your first breath. And that invitation is extended to you through the cross of Christ that you might find God that you might have a relationship with God. My question to you today is the same as Jesus. Who are you looking for? You're probably looking for a lot of what's and why's and how's and where, like everybody else. But the core question is this. You are looking for a who. Who are you looking for? God explains today you're looking for Jesus. Won't you reach out to him right now? And I really mean right now, while the word of God is still fresh and stirring in your heart, we're told that the word of God has supernatural capacity to, to ignite your mind, to divide inside of you what's good and evil, to, to, under, to give you a, an understanding. It's the only understanding we have, the, the word of God and the Holy Spirit coming together in your life right now. Won't you reach out to him and say, yes, God, I'm at the end of my own personal life. I want a beginning with your new life ignited in me. I want Christ today. I want forgiveness today. God, I want this pursuit 
to end in a who, in the person of Jesus. So in your own way, right now, would you say to God, I want Christ in my life. God, I'm turning from my own life and I'm giving you my life right now. I want your forgiveness, God. I'm asking for it. And I'm asking for you to ignite new life inside of me. Father, thank you for your faithfulness to answer these prayers. Thank you for the power, the capacity to answer these prayers that you alone, God, can offer forgiveness, eternal forgiveness. You alone, God, can offer new life in our, in our hearts, our minds, and bring us from being dead to alive, from having one birth to having two births, being birthed and coming alive in Christ. God, thank you for your power today. Father, we end this time together reminding ourselves, God, it is you that we're pursuing. We love you, we want you, we, we need you, God, and we're just here to say we love you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our prophet, our priest, our king, our savior, the love of our life, amen. Thank you for joining us, and special thanks for those of you who give generously to make this ministry possible. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can also subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information about 360 Church, visit us at the360church.com.